0: even though I knew women that had postpartum depression and talked openly about it in an effort to potentially prepare me. But there is no preparation for what that experience is going to be for you. I had an unexpected birth experience that threw me sideways and my hormones just went absolutely berserk. And I had one time I was supposed to get on an airplane to go fly to Jamaica to lead a retreat. And literally the car pulled up in front of my house to pick me up and take me to the airport. And, you know, hundreds of women are counting on me, delivering what I need to deliver at this retreat. And I couldn't get in the car. I was in a ball on the floor, rocking back and forth. You're listening to the MILF Podcast. This is the show where we talk about motherhood and sexuality with amazing women with fascinating stories to share on the joys of being a MILF. Now
1: here's your host, the MILFiest MILF I know, Jennifer Tracy. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. This is MILF Podcast, the show where we talk about motherhood, entrepreneurship, sexuality, and everything in between. My name is Jennifer Tracy and I am your host. I'm so glad you guys are here. And I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Andrea last week. She is so funny. <laughs> and her farting dogs. I do still think we might open a um, a dog fart facial stand. You never know. It could be a thing. This is LA. Anything goes. Um. <laughs> so I want to uh, announce a couple things. As you know, every month I choose... A charity to become involved with because that's a really important part of my mission and my message is that not only is my podcast and, and my work women supporting women within our this community, but I want to magnify that outward. And so um, it's really important to me and every month I choose an organization that's usually um, supporting women and or children. And every month I give $25 to whichever charity I've chosen for every iTunes review that you guys write. And so you guys have been really great in writing. I get a couple a month um, and sometimes I'll do like a hashtag challenge and, and give a dollar for every hashtag. So, but mainly it's really just about bringing awareness to you guys, to all of us, to myself included and talking about it. So this month's charity is Save the Children. I was introduced to them by my friend, Kobe Smulders. Uh, you can find them online. There's, they are also on my giving page on my website, milfpodcast.com. So there is that. Number two is, if you haven't already, it already started, but you can. there's still time to sign up. You can catch up. Sign up for my free online 21-day writing course. It started Monday, May 6th, but you can still sign up and catch up with us. It's so fun. It's free. It's 21 days of interacting with me. I'm giving you writing prompts. I'm helping you unlock your story. And I love doing it. Like, I love doing it. It's just so amazing connecting with that community of writers. So, join me for that. I also have a, I'm launching a full, um, just a regular paid course in June. I'll be talking about that later. But on with the show. Oh, I almost forgot. There's one more fun announcement. I can't announce the date or the location yet. (laughs) Hopefully, I'll be able to next week. Um, I'm doing a live podcasting event, you guys, in the summer. I'm not allowed to say when yet, but I'm doing a live podcasting event here in Los Angeles. I really hope you guys can come. It's going to be so much fun. There are going to be a lot of MILFs there. There's going to be at least five of us on the stage, maybe more actually, because I have some surprises up my sleeve. But Anyway, uh, I will tell you to mark your calendar when I can tell you the exact date of it. But I'm so excited about this! It's going to be the first um, MILF podcast live event. Stay tuned, and so I want to introduce today's guest, Alexis Arton, who is a woman of many, 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 many talents. Several of my guests, almost all of my guests, we all you know juggle several things. Alexis juggles maybe 20 more things. And I was introduced to her through our pole dancing community. And she was actually the teacher. I don't know if you guys remember back in January when I hit my head on the pole so hard that I had a huge black and blue egg on my forehead for a good four weeks. Alexis was the teacher in that class. And because of who she is and because of all of her training and because of what she does for a living and because she embodies the work that she does and talks about. She stayed with me and with some other women that were comforting me after class and really literally held me with her hands as I cried for two hours because I, I hit my head. For those of you that don't know, I hit my head on the pole. <laughs> it's a dark room. I had my eyes closed. It's one of those things that happens. I hit my head on the pole. I was like, I'm fine. And then I started crying and I couldn't stop for about two hours. I probably had a concussion. That's usually means you have a concussion, but I'm fine. I'm fine. I eventually went to the doctor and they were like, well, you're fine now. It's a little late. You should have come in the first 24 hours. But anyway, Alexis really held me and she just knew exactly what to do. And, um, A couple months later, I went to her house to interview her for the podcast and really got to know the depth of her story. And I mean, within an hour, there's way more, obviously, but um, what a woman, what a journey, what a story. And so Alexis is now a life coach. She's a mom of two. I got to meet her little, her youngest child, her little boy. He is so precious. She's happily married. She's got a thriving business. She's writing a book. She's an embodiment, empowerment leader. She's amazing. She's just amazing. And I won't even, my introduction does nothing because the the actual interview um, says it all. And she's just so brilliantly articulate and she knows who she is. And it's so sexy. It's just, it's really sexy and she is a mom I'd like to follow, and I do follow. <laughs> so anyway, I really hope you enjoy my conversation with Alexis Arton. Hi, Alexis.
0: Hi, Jen. Thank you so much for being here. Oh my God, thank you for I, being here. This is
1: thrilling. I'm the one who reached out to you. I'm oh like, my God. Let's do this. I was so, so happy to get your email. And I just want to start off by saying, you are the teacher who was there when I hit my head on the pole.
0: This is so true. And I've
1: shared about this on the podcast. Um and I don't know if you actually know this part of the story, but I'm going to tell it. So you know that my friend died in October. And then mm-hmm. in January, I hit my head on the pole and it was very traumatic and you took such good care of me. And it was so hard to receive that. And you watched and you you watched how hard it was for me to receive that nurturing yes. from you and all the other women. And you were so steady and so nurturing and loving and just exactly what i needed Mm. as i cried for like two hours i probably definitely had a concussion but i would not go to the doctor do you you remember you refused. i was like i'm not gonna go to the doctor tara drove me home two weeks later i was having severe suicidal ideation and i went to the hospital
0: I did not know that. I
1: called Tara and I said, um, and I've shared about this on the podcast as well.
0: Oh, naughty Tara. Why didn't she tell me? I had texted with her after the fact, you. Well, this was, two weeks, this was okay, two weeks later. This was two weeks later. Okay, but still, Tara, you're listening.
1: <laughs> so I called her and my therapist and Tara said, okay, I'll be right there. I'm, I'm taking you to the psychiatrist. I was like, no, 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 I'm okay. She's like, nope, you're done. You're done so thinking. Much. Like, yeah, she's- oh, Well she, done. She's amazing. So- Drove me to the psychiatrist, the psychiatrist was like, "Okay, you're going to UCLA." Went to UCLA. They took all my clothes. They took all my purse. Like I'm in the scrubs. I'm there all day. Wow. I get evaluated by the psychiatry department. Um, I get evaluated by uh, just an ER doc to check out my. He asked me all the questions that they would have asked me two weeks ago. He's like, "Look, it's been two weeks. You, you're fine, but you know, I'm just going to do this." But then I did this research. Head injuries can cause are directly linked with depression Mm -hmm. and episodes like this.
0: And isn't there like CTE where the football players that incur severe concussions over and over and over again end up later in life, some of them having this CTE diagnosis in which they end up committing suicide? Yes.
1: Yes. Yes, you're right. Yes. Mm -hmm. So anyway, that was such a journey for me of like... The point is the the circle of women that you are such a part of creating your community and mm-hmm. our community that I'm mm-hmm. lucky to be a part of now created such a nurturing space that I think it helped me in that moment. That plus like my whole lifetime of like being in recovery and knowing how to ask for help. But I was able to call and ask for help because I was suicidal ideating so badly that it was I was dissociated from myself. I was really thinking of like, oh, like checking off a list. I've got, to, I've got to I've gotta get the life insurance policy to my ex-husband. I've gotta it was bonkers. And it was also the three-month mark of my friend's death.
0: And as bonkers as it is, it makes total sense to me. Um, I've recently been studying on something called the polyvagal theory. And it's talking about our nervous system and how there's this vagus nerve that regulates our nervous system in terms of Flight or fight, right? And it talks about how any time that we incur any sort of trauma, be it physical or emotional, that obviously our our primal instinct, right? Um, it's it's basically like a, a moral imperative or a biological imperative. More to the point, um, for us to stay safe, and that's our nervous system's job. It's it's primal job, and so there's the sympathetic nervous system and the parasympathetic nervous system, right? The sympathetic is what takes us into, you know, fight or flight. And the parasympathetic, think of like a parachute, Mm. you know, launching kind of lowers and slows down and softens that activation. Mm. And what's so interesting is that there are times when you can't fight and you can't flee, right? So, think about maybe even when you're a small child and where are you going to go? Yeah. You're reliant on your caregivers. Yeah. Um, Or, you know, if you were restrained to some degree, but a lot of times we are restrained, even just if not physically, mentally. Yeah. We feel stuck in a situation. We kind of taskmaster ourselves in that moment to just freeze and deal with it. Yeah. Um, But when that happens in an animal, the body will feign death. But when you're a human being, you have to regulate your nervous system. And if you're just so fired up and you can't fight and you can't get the fuck out of there, your body is going to do what it needs to do to get you safely out of the situation, and that's to dissociate. Yes. And it doesn't matter if it's just mere daydreaming or if it's to completely check out and create multiple personality disorder or anything in between. Sure. Sure. It's just about staying safe. Yes. That's how important staying safe is. Yes. And that's how intelligent the body is, Ugh. is to know what to do in that scenario to keep you safe. Yeah. Right? I mean, it's wild. Yeah. And to me, what happened to you was both emotional and physical trauma in that moment. Yes. Yes. Really, truly. Yes. And you had to go through the, that process. Yeah. Until you were able to kind of reground and recenter back into your truth and that you're safe. Yes. So it makes perfect sense to me. Sorry to go on that huge diet. Oh, no.
1: That's why I wanted to bring it up because it's a shared experience that I have with you that kind of bonded me to you. And also like speaks to a lot of the work that you do that you already do, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. So thank you for being there for me that day and in general. Absolutely,
0: you know, I, I really, I'm, I, I really believe that we're spiritual beings having a human experience, and that there's a dichotomy in that because you know the spiritual being is very selfless, and the mm-hmm. human nature of us is very selfish. It has to be to yes. get its needs met and survive, and so there's this, uh, I don't know what the word is, but there's this kind of natural. Um, fisticuffs happening in our being, right, this time around. And I believe that when the human body isn't really paying attention, the spiritual being will conk you in the head. <laughs> and that's kind of what happens. It's like, you know, that saying of like, you'll get tickled with a feather, but if you don't listen, you'll get hit by a Mack track. Yes. I got hit by a, A big metal (laughs) pole.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So whatever it
0: takes, you know, but um, I'm glad that I could have been part of the
1: tribe to care for you in that moment. It was profound and and just such a profound thing to feel like, to experience how uncomfortable I was receiving that kind of care because I can give it all day long. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But to be on that end of it was so uncomfortable and just something to really look at and made me kind of acknowledge that piece so and isn't that so often just strangely and without trying to make any sort of a
0: blanket statement here kind of the role of women oh yeah oh god yes right and as mothers specifically yeah we are we become if we aren't already i mean i believe that our society cultivates in us that responsibility to care for others but um when you become a mother it's there's no denying that responsibility yeah and it really it it it's like a a corporate takeover yeah. of your being, <laughs> totally, right? Totally. It's like full on espionage of, of totally, like your being. Totally. And all of a sudden it's everything from, you know, the biology of your body yeah. is, is now about giving, yeah. whether it's breastfeeding or, or something else to, you know, the mentality of, oh, wow, you know, there's a, there's a grieving process of the fact that it's really not about taking care of myself as much as it is taking care of this defenseless little being. yes, And like all of your resources go to that. It's wild. It's wild. And nobody talks about that. Nobody ever talks about the grieving process that you go through. I mean, I personally had massive postpartum depression, um, which was, with your first? With my first. Well, because your
1: second is only, how old is he now? He's eight months. Oh. Yeah. And I didn't have the same experience with him. Do you think that's because you were prepped from your first experience? I
0: hope so. Yeah. <laughs> um, because I'd like to believe that, you know, if I could do it, other women can do it mm-hmm. as well. But I can say that the first time around, I was so unprepared for that, mm-hmm. even though I knew women that had postpartum depression and talked openly about it. Yeah. In an effort to potentially prepare me. But there is no preparation for what that experience is going to be for you. Yeah, I had an unexpected birth experience that threw me sideways and my hormones just went absolutely berserk. And I had one time I was supposed to get on an airplane to go fly to Jamaica to lead a retreat. And literally the car pulled up in front of my house to pick me up and take me to the airport. And, you know, hundreds of women are counting on me delivering what i need to deliver at this retreat and i couldn't get in the car i was in a ball on the floor rocking back and forth barely able to get a sentence out because i couldn't even breathe i was hyperventilating and crying and i was in the middle of like a like a ptsd yes. emotional breakdown yes um and i didn't end up getting on the plane and ended up in a psychiatrist's office yeah um under you know emergency scenario because i couldn't pull it together to even take care of my son mm. and it was a really wild wild ride for about i would say a year i feel like it was at his first birthday that i started to feel some sense of joy mm. and and real bond yeah that i could feel like oh okay i didn't ruin my life yes and what a wild thing to experience when you're pregnant for the first time, you think the second this baby lands in my arms, I am just gonna know what it is to feel the way that all these mothers say they feel about their sons and how it's gonna change everything and I'm gonna fall immediately in love and yeah, uh, not my
1: experience. Yeah, Not my experience. Yeah. So yeah, wild. Yeah. Wild. Wow, well thank God you got the help that you needed
0: really, thank god, and i and I love that there's so much awareness coming around now, yeah, about postpartum depression and you know, even worse postpartum psychosis, yeah, yeah, and, and women being able to get the help they need. My husband the other day actually mentioned to me that he was listening to a podcast and heard that they've come out with some sort of an i v now for women. In either postpartum depression or maybe even more specifically
1: psychosis. Oh, I saw this. I saw an article about it in the New York Times the other day. And it's like thirty
0: or forty thousand yeah. dollars to get this IV, yeah. and it takes sixty hours yes. for the IV treatment. Yes, but that it supposedly cures postpartum depression. Yeah, that's incredible
1: at I a mean, price tag of like yeah thirty or 40, which is 000, crazy. Dollars, so which is just like. of the population can afford it for now. But maybe they'll make it, you know, those things happen where they roll it out and then it becomes more affordable, I guess. And
0: here's hoping that, you know, insurance or something. Something. (laughs) Why do we have insurance? I mean. It should cover that. It should. Yeah.
1: Wow. So um, I hear your babes. Yeah. Yeah. He's trying to go down for a nap right now. But this is so perfect because – This is why I started the podcast, because this is that's such a real life example Mm -hmm. of like you're doing this. You have a caregiver that's able to put him down. Yes. But I would imagine just because my mom and it's not my son, I haven't even met him yet. But like that there's that pull of like, yeah, you know. But you got to do the work and you got, there's just always a pull. It's always a pull Uh one way or the other.
0: It really is follow my bliss or follow his, um, is one of my mentors once said that to me and that it's, it is going to be the great challenge in the life of a mother. And, uh, that makes perfect sense to me. And you know, that quote about it's your heart walking around outside of Mm -hmm. your body. Couldn't be truer. Yeah really truly is my experience yeah. of what it is to be a mother. And doubling down and now having two is well, now my heart's going in two different directions at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. how do you keep up with that yeah. plus follow your own bliss yeah. to, you know, the change yeah. that you want to be or to create in the world as an individual?
1: Let's talk about that.
0: Yeah, let's do it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, so I know you as a a movement instructor Mm -hmm. um, and a woman in our community. And I also know you, um, I haven't experienced you as a life coach. I mean, I have in a way because I just get to be around you and be in class and it just comes out of you. (laughs) But um, were you always in that arena? Like, what were you, like growing up, what did you kind of want to be or... Oh boy, how long is this podcast? Long, long, take <laughs> long your time, enough. take
0: your time. Okay, well, I'll try to be succinct. So I, growing up in Philadelphia, uh, where my parents and my brothers still reside, although I'm trying to, you know, get them out, cast my, yes. my fishing rod and reel them over here. We're working on it. Um, I grew up there. And from the moment I popped out, is from what I understand, from what I, I'm told, I was you know as a star is born. Yes, and I was just a natural actress, performer, dancer my whole life, singer, writer, creatrix, maven, woman, uh, always beyond my years intellectually. I used the word hematoma when I was five instead of. <laughs> I have a boo boo or an alley.
1: <laughs> oh, that's so
0: cute! Really, truly, I—I I was a whippersnapper. Yes, uh, they called me uh, Sarah instead of Sandra uh, Bernhardt. They called me Sandra Heartburn. <laughs> I mean, there was all kinds of magic happening when I was when I came around. And uh, so, okay, uh, born, born and raised there. And I took a trip out to California to visit some family when I was young. Uh, and I absolutely loved it and had made the decision at that bright young age of maybe six that I knew that I wanted to to move to Hollywood and be an actress. Yeah. I mean, it was the deal had kind of been sealed at that point. Yeah. Cut to uh, moving out to Los Angeles when I was about 17. I was in a abusive relationship um, at 17. And then by 19, uh I had taken a trip out here again to visit and meaning here in Hollywood, Los Angeles, and called my parents and said, just pack up my stuff and send it. I'm not even coming home for it. And my parents said, over our dead body if you want to make an adult decision, like moving across the country and and leaving school and all of these things, you're going to have to do it the adult way. You're going to have to come home. You're going to have to pack your things. You're going to have to make a plan of where you're going to live and transfer schools and all of that nonsense. good parenting. Great parenting. And so I reluctantly agreed and I came home and I said, one year from today, Come hell or high water, get in where you fit in. I am moving to Los Angeles, and I did. One year from that day, me and my little Shih Tzu puppy at the time, Gizmo, got on an airplane and cross country by ourselves at nineteen. Um, came out to came out to L.A. to live live into a dream, and I was lucky enough at the time to have a mentor. That was, I'm a little bit ashamed to say, (laughs) um, at the time, the head of casting for Miramax with uh, the boss that we shall not name. Got it. I'm like, why is she? she Oh, right. yes. Yes, of course. Anyway. Um, she was lovely right. and, uh, very helpful and very supportive and a girl's girl and had set me up with a bunch of casting directors. I mean, the biggest of the biggest in the business. It was like, I had like Mary Vernou calling me and going, wow. let's have lunch. Wow. Uh, which is an actress's dream come true. Yeah. I did not realize the weight and the relevance of that at that age. Right. I was so young and as intellectual and advanced as I was, relatively immature Mm. (laughs) to understand the gift that I was being handed on a silver platter at the time. Right. And suffice to say, I kind of in the end blew it. I never followed up. I never really seized the opportunity. I think that insecurity really had a hold of me Mm. at the time um, to the point where I had actually gone through so much bullying when I was a kid and insecurity and unhealthy relationships and all of these things that um, I really just wanted a do-over in terms of who I was um, in order to gain the love and the respect and the confidence that I didn't innately have. Mm. And so I literally carved myself up on a plastic surgery table for about 12 hours. And had at the, you know, very youthful age when I really didn't need it, very severe surgeries, staples and screws in my head and really um, broken nose and, you know, liposuction throughout every area of my body that really didn't even have the fat on it to suck out. Mm-hmm. It was really wild. And, um... While it did give me a presentational confidence, it definitely didn't touch the depths of me that really needed to, needed the makeover, needed to heal. And uh, in the process of all of that, I was really questioning is acting the place for me? Is putting myself in front of audition rooms and cameras? and being asked to do things that didn't feel an integrity um, because I just wasn't confident enough in myself, did that feel like the right thing to do? Mm. And I was so gun shy to even step into those rooms anymore. And I ended up working at Hooters. I ended up working for a chiropractor. I ended up becoming a makeup artist. I was a total career gypsy. Um, a lot of my friends call me the Forrest Gump of the feminine because I just seem to, like anybody's like, I need an event planner. I'm like, I had an event planning company. I can help you. Yes, yes. Um, You know, I need somebody to do my makeup. I was a makeup artist. I even trained with (laughs) Tina Earnshaw who won an Academy Award. (laughs) I've I've got your back. Yeah. Um, And it really, everybody laughs like, well, just ask Alexa. She either did it or she knows somebody that did it. Um, And... Once I I had the opportunity to really land in a place that felt like it made sense for me was in the entertainment industry, but behind the camera. Mm. And I was lucky enough to have a lot of really great opportunities. I always seemed to be in the right place at the right time. So I was an executive Assistant to A list celebrities. I was able to be a producer on the number one hit show on Comedy Central. I was on the number one comedy tour around the country that year. We were making movies with Ben Stiller and Forrest Whitaker and all of these incredible talents. I was then working uh, at a management company for a whole roster of A list celebrities and getting to manage really brilliant careers alongside some really talented teams behind those artists and got to do a lot of really incredible things. I was in proximity with true greatness a lot of the time. And my role was to help them be great. And I seemed to be very good at fast tracking people to their personal best. It was a sweet spot for me. And, and you were
1: young. You were I was in your really, 20s. I was
0: young. I was in my twenties and, you know, traveling on private jets with these totally amazing people. And I'm both starstruck and at the same time having to protect them from other people that were starstruck and either trying to take advantage of them or or anything of that nature and really trying to structure a trajectory for them to maintain that status of celebrity and achievement and success in their chosen careers because they're just human beings too. And what I came to realize was that there was just as much dysfunction finding me behind the camera as there was finding me in front of the camera, if not more so. In the midst of all of this, I'd been in the entertainment industry about 10 years when I went to go take said pole dancing class. And like I had said, I had been a dancer my whole life and even minored in it in college, which by the way, I went to five colleges and never matriculated, there's that. <laughs> um, because I ended up literally going into the working world and getting my master's in, in real life, Yes, everything. Yeah. So I was taking this pole dancing class because a friend of mine had dragged me there. She had been doing it about four months and swore that it changed her life, which to me was a real (laughs) head-scratcher. Pole dancing class changed your life, okay? Uh, But And I went in, and I have to say that it wasn't even so much the class that was an aha moment for me. It was at the end of the class My friend that took me to the class and dragged me there, the one that had been doing this for four months, I adored her to the end of the earth. I mean, this was the girl that I would cry on her shoulder. I would laugh hysterically with her. I would share my deepest, darkest secrets with her. But she was not my, air quotes here, sexy friend. Mm. Mm. At the time, I mean, obviously, Now, I see it very differently. She, uh, I'll get to that. Um, But she got up to demo her movement at the end of the class. There was an opportunity for the current students who brought new students in to demo and show what they could do, show their stuff. And within five seconds of the song coming on and her starting to demo, really just what that means to me now is move within the grace and integrity of her body, the truth of her body and her eroticism and her sexuality, I, the whole world, I think, just flipped on its axis. And I went, oh my God, not only is she no longer in the box of my, you know, lovely but unsexy friend, she's actually the sexiest thing I've ever seen Yes. on two legs. Yes. And if that was a lie that i lived under for so long, Mm. if that wasn't true, what else wasn't true that I had assigned myself to my whole life?
1: Wait, say that again because I messed up the soundbite. That's going to be a great (laughs) soundbite. If that wasn't true.
0: If that wasn't true, then what else wasn't true? What else had I assigned myself to? in my life. That was a lie. What? Brain exploding all over (laughs) in a million pieces and never going to come back together again the same way. Yes. And I mean, I literally pushed people out of the way when the class was over to be the first person to get to the front desk. God forbid there wasn't enough to go around. (laughs) I threw down my credit card. I said, don't even tell me. I don't even want to know." just, just ring it up. Yeah. Whatever she's got, I want it. Yeah. Because I had always thought I was the sexy one. I really did. I was like, I go to the club and I do my thing and I whip my hair around and like I want my tight jeans on with my liposuction body. I am the hot girl in the club. And then I realized, oh my God, I'm a total fraud. And uh, teach me how to do it right. I just want some of that.
1: Mm.
0: Wow. That looks like, Confidence melting in a body, bring it yes, and so I started taking class, and it's funny i've been listening to other podcasts of yours, and I've heard people talk about their experience of of finding this movement and, and what it did for them, and I giggle because every time I always hear how everybody falls in love with their first teacher, well, me too. <laughs> total girl crush. I mean, just massive girl crush on my teacher. And when she approached me to become a teacher of the movement, um, there was no way I was going to say no to this woman. I mean, it just didn't matter what she asked me. I absolutely, it was going to be a yes. And especially to, to be able to step into being a teacher.
1: Uh.
0: Oh my God, what an honor what an opportunity, what a privilege really is, was how I viewed it. And it didn't matter that I was working full-time in the entertainment industry and had a lot of stress and demand on me. I was going to find time to also do teacher training full-time. Wow! And this was a two-month commitment at the time. It was, it was like very rigorous training. It yeah. was five days a week, eight hours a day for two months. And not to mention shadowing classes and, and all of that That's in addition. It yeah. was a lot. And working full-time in the entertainment and industry. And were you married yet? I was with my husband at the okay. time, but we were not yet married or engaged. But you had a
1: partner yes. to also consider.
0: <laughs> you better believe it. And literally, I was like a ping pong ball going back and forth, back and forth, shuttling without sleep between training and my job. And at the time... I was working for a celebrity that I shall not name, um, but a household name for sure. And while I was working for this person, they were engaging in behavior that was very misaligned with my values and integrity. I was going from that job to teacher training. So it felt like I was going from a place that was very soul-sucking to a place that was very soul-fulfilling back and forth, back and forth. And the lack of sleep and the back and forth between those two totally juxtaposed energies, it all of a sudden got brilliantly clear to me that I was done with the entertainment industry and I was ready to devote myself absolutely to what I had discovered at this movement practice and this empowerment practice full-time. At, at any cost and mm. it did cost me. Mm. So I quit the entertainment industry altogether. I said, I'm done. And I went into this world of empowerment and took a 75% pay cut to do it. Wow. So at first what that looked like was a more than 75% pay cut because all I was gonna be doing was graduating teacher training and teaching classes. And you know, you're know you're not paid the way you are in the entertainment industry when you teach these classes. We'll just say that. And um, I was very, oh my gosh, what am I going to do to earn a living now if I'm only getting pittance here and there for teaching these pole dancing classes? Uh, And I'm not going to go back to the entertainment industry, so now what? And at that time, it turned out the company that I was teaching for was hiring for a creative director. And I won't belabor you with the details. I ended up getting that job. And I was both the creative director at this company as well as a teacher at this company and eventually became a master teacher and then became a trainer who was not only teaching teachers to teach, but teaching teachers to become master teachers um, and building up the events portion of this company to be really successful in cultivating transformational journeys for women. And I stayed in that role for four years and segued out and just focused on still consulting, creating journeys for women, but um, focusing a lot more on the teacher aspect of things and the training of teachers aspect of things, because I really wanted to use my time to gift women what I had been gifted in the way that felt most purposeful for me and filled with passion. And through all of this, I started working with a coach because I had been in therapy since I was five. And Ever since the hematoma? Uh, really, truly. <laughs> I Actually, I went into therapy when I was five because I was diagnosed with what they call magical thinking, which was I was just not living in reality a lot of the time. I was making up wild stories and um, I still
1: have that, but I just, now I make a living from it. Uh, isn't it amazing? <laughs> it's amazing.
0: I mean, what a gift, yeah. right? I mean, why is that a, a clinical diagnosis? <laughs> right. Shouldn't we be celebrating right, this? Right, right, right. Um, but I guess it was a problem because I think I had said at one point, like my dad was beating me with a rubber hose, but oh, I God. think I only said that because he wouldn't buy me a puppy. <laughs> so I think, I think it was a little bit slightly naughty, and slightly, um Alexis. a little bit worrisome. Like when my they tackled my dad when he came to pick me up <laughs> at school and interrogated him. Um Thank God I had no bruises on my it's body. So
1: specific though—that's what I love about it. He beat me with a
0: rubber hose. Where a five-year-old would have gotten that information? I mean, we didn't have YouTube back right. then, so I don't know where right. it came from. My. Magical thinking, mind. Mm, yes, there you go. Yes, inspired. It really, truly. Yeah. Um, wasted gift. There. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, so, so you, yeah. You got I a mean, coach. I, I really, truly. So, I got a coach, and um, it changed everything. I had never been approached, and I have, t- I have sought out. I've worked side by side with the the world's greatest gurus and thought leaders. I mean, from Tony Robbins on down, because the company that I currently work for, we have partnered with him on um creating events and so forth. And so I've really I've I've had the privilege of working alongside Marie Forleo and uh, you know the, the great minds of empowerment of our time. And um I have to tell you that coaching was of anything that I've ever done, the biggest game changer. It really there was no hierarchical diagnosis of what was wrong with me from a psychologist or a therapist. And I'm not knocking them. I think that they're highly valuable and I worship that world. I really think that it's super helpful. So I'm I'm in no way comparing. But I will say that for me, the results that I got from coaching far outweighed anything else from meditation courses to Um, therapeutic endeavors, whatever it may have been, it was really coaching that shifted everything for me. And I finally was able to achieve what I had been seeking my whole life in plastic surgery and in therapy and in my movement practice. All of those things just were falling short of that internal makeover that I was really seeking. And it was coaching that really allowed me to arrive at tapping into my truth, my purpose, my passion, my potential, and being able to love and advocate for myself fiercely, without apology, without the need for permission. It really was the key to me getting in the driver's seat of my life and realizing that I didn't need to just go along for the ride anymore. And I didn't have to be afraid anymore because at the end of the day, what I came home to was love. And it was the love that I was able to give for myself, which is really what I was seeking all along. You know, I had just internalized all these voices in my life to keep myself safe. And I didn't need to do that anymore because my internal voice had become so different. And that's why the movement practice that you and I talk about was so powerful is because the teacher sits in the center of the room and basically talks and talks and talks while you move and gives you a new inner monologue about yourself, about your body, about your ability to step into loving and appreciating, and dare I even say, turning the volume up on what is unique about you and thereby brilliant and amazing and radiant and sexy and powerful about you. And right? I'm matched
1: by anyone else's body. Totally. I mean, that's the huge, that's the huge thing of like if people ask me about the class that I take and do you still take it and what, you know, what do you love about it? It taught me not only to see the beauty in myself, but to see the beauty in every single woman that I come across, like genuinely. Cause it's
0: no longer a competition and she's no longer a threat. She's a reflection of you yes. and your beauty and your power. When there are no mirrors in a classroom of movement, who's your mirror, your sister across the way. If she looks beautiful doing it, so do you yes. and vice versa. And she'll let you know. And your body is so heightened in her senses that she will feel that awareness. She will feel that gaze. She will hear and receive the vibration of applause and screaming and yelling for what is so magnificent about you just being in your truth without apology and, you know, quote unquote, crushing shame. Um and so it, it, it really is something that women don't have in our current culture. It's just not woven into the fabric of a patriarchy that we are living in. And it then becomes a question of, well, how do I bridge the gap? of feeling that way in the safety of that classroom and walking it out into a world that doesn't create that same safe space for it. Forget celebrate and elevate it, right? But just even hold a safe space for it. And that's where coaching really came in for me was, this is how you walk it into your life on a daily basis. This is how you don't need to be inside of a particular four-walled space, just of women and a, a teacher who is a master of creating that space for you and validating you and acknowledging you and giving you the tools and the resources that you need in every moment to cultivate that experience. But really walk it out into your life and be solely responsible for it and know you've got it.
1: Like, I've got this. I've got this. Yeah. Yeah. So you got this life coach was what you started working with? Okay. And a woman? A woman. I'm totally going to give her a shout out.
0: Her name is Barb Wade. She's been doing this for 20 something years. She has her master's in spiritual psychology um, from, from the, the University from USM. Oh, so good. Uh, amazing. I mean, she really is brilliant beyond brilliant. And I really related to her because she was a high achiever. She was an actress. Um, and I mean, of all the things that she did, the one that really just stops my heart is she was on Saved by the Bell. <laughs> I mean, come on. Yeah. I mean, That's all iconic. over my walls when yeah. I was a kid. Oh, yeah. Zach Morris, get out of here. Which, go figure, I ended up making out with Mario Lopez on camera later in life. And I'm like, Slater, I missed the boat. I wanted it to be back. No. It's so funny. I'm like, I got paid to make out with you right now. Did this you so ever amazing.
1: see the Weeds episode where he came and like had sex with her in the bar?
0: No, I never watched Weeds. I oh, probably girl. should because I love I mean, Mary Louise Parker. I think
1: I found it on YouTube after it aired. This is years ago. And I had a toddler at the time. My son was a toddler. And I was just like starting to kind of feel sexual again. <laughs> and I saw that video and I was like, oh. <gasps> Oh, my God. And I just would watch it on repeat.
0: Oh, my God. <laughs> anyway, just I will send it to you. <laughs> send me the link, and then I will send you the photo or the video of me making out with Mario Lopez. Yes. We could superimpose the two. Perfect. So amazing. He's, he's a lovely guy. Anywho, so Barb is amazing and a very brilliant and talented coach and really worked with me on walking the road that she had walked prior. So yes, she was an actress, but then she had this similar experience to me of saying, you know what, being in front of the cameras and serving me, I'm going to go behind the camera. And, and long story short, she ended up being one of the core the first round of people that started DreamWorks and was working under Steven Spielberg and, you know, Mr. Spielberg. <laughs> and, um, Really had this very high powered career and was on a trajectory to the stars. And yet came to this realization to this deep, deep truth that she was in burnout and there was something deeper that was being missed a purpose, a calling. Um, She was just, you know, definition of insanity doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results and not getting them. And she took a sabbatical. And during that sabbatical was taking courses at USM and just had this aha moment of, this is it. I can't go back. And she left a very coveted position at DreamWorks to become a life coach. I love that. And the lives that she has changed since, I I can't even imagine if she had chosen not to do that. Yeah. I, I'll just speak for myself mm. if she hadn't chosen to do that. And I, it's really kismet that I have a mentor like her to, to really truly help me in my healing journey. Because as much as our movement practice, don't get me wrong, provided a lot to me. It was definitely a doorway to self-love. Yeah. It didn't give me everything that I needed sure. to really arrive at having all the tools that I need to go, I've got this. Mm. I don't need anything outside of my skin any longer. Mm to bring me joy, happiness, enthusiasm, peace, permission, love, any of those things. Mm. Really, what a gift. Income. It, hello.
1: Yeah, that's a huge piece. Huge Especially piece. for us women where it's like, you know, I struggled for a long time where I felt like I didn't deserve that or I hadn't yeah. quite earned it yet because I had been a stay-at-home parent for so long. Or, mm-hmm. you know, even though I was balancing my writing, but I didn't count that because at the time I wasn't getting paid for it. Sure. So I was like, "Well, I'm just it, it was just the value systems that I had imposed on myself." To use your word, It's just it's unbelievable, and the limitations that then that, and it takes time to unwind that. And and for me too, I fully uh, have a similar experience of that. The movement practice was and is and continues to be a doorway for me, but it was a doorway to then a path of like. Here's the real work. Yes, (laughs) thank you. Yes, yes, yes. So, wow. So that inspired you to say, "This is meant for me. This is my calling."
0: Absolutely. And and I love you touching on this idea of value because it really does come down to that. It comes down to our sense of self worth, and that in our society translates so predominantly to finances. Yeah, And as women, our number one need is safety. And a lot of times we get that safety through connection, specifically as women. Yeah, But we also get that in our culture financially, even though some people, a small majority, a small minority of people actually say that they value a life without material, objects, items. That's where real freedom lies. Other people would feel the opposite. And that's the majority of people. There is such an emphasis in our culture on money being the most quote unquote valuable resource. Mm, Although there are more resources, there's time, there's energy, there's emotion, those are all resources. And there's an emphasis on money being the most coveted resource. What we forget is that money really is just a form of energy. It's just printed green pieces of paper, which, by the way, when we first started trading, didn't exist. Yeah. Right? If you read Kate Northrup's Money, A Love Story, which I think is a great Ooh, I book. I haven't read that. That's oh, funny. great book. Great book. I love her. You know, she talks about how, you know, money was inv- invented in Mesopotamia years and years ago. But before that, it was give me your cow, I'll give you my horse. Totally. Right. I'll give you this grain. You give me sex.
1: Totally. Right. Right? right, I mean,
0: look, prostitution is the oldest (laughs) career that exists. And it was I will trade you this value for the value of your body. Yeah. and, And your intimacy and your eroticism. Yeah. Right. So inherent to who we are is the value of us. Yes. Look at the oldest profession in the world. If that's not testimony to our value, now we've also elevated to the point where it's not just our bodies that are of value, but our minds, our hearts, our souls, right? We have a lot to offer. But Kate's book really talks about, so you wanna generate more income, offer more value. And we spin on this idea as women that we don't have the value to offer in order to generate the income. And that's just not true. We are emotional geniuses, right? We're communication geniuses. Yeah. Right? These are our special set of skills as women.
1: Yeah.
0: And that has anyone who's a genius in anything has tons of value to offer. Yeah. And so it's about turning up the acknowledgement on how valuable you actually are, which you've internalized that other people have questioned that value. Yeah. But that's not for them to say, your value is immeasurable. Imagine a little baby. You look at a little baby. Like I look at my little eight month old, but I'm sure everybody that's listening to this has seen a baby at some point in their life. Can you imagine ever looking at a baby and going, yeah, I don't know. I don't <laughs> think they're gonna amount to much. No, not a lot of value there.
1: No, Totally.
0: Right? And why, do, why would that ever change? Yeah. We're still that same soul, that same spirit that same pure love energy, that same, you know, we, God dwells within us as us. We, we, we are all of the same immeasurable value and our value is not the stock market. It doesn't go up or down because of public opinion. Right.
1: It just expands and expands. And I think too, like you're born with that and that purity and whatever we come into this world with, which I don't know for sure, but like you know, I personally believe in reincarnation and past lives and, and that, we, that we bring in a lot sure. already. Mm-hmm. So already we do that. And then you add on life experience, right? And that can't be bought. That can't be um, implanted. Implanted, excuse me. That has such value. Like, I mean, I always talk about this on the show. The reason I started this podcast, Moms I'd Like to Follow, also the double meaning of Moms I'd Like to Fuck because – I I love that, and it pushes the envelope and it elevates it. And, and your voice totally went down on the word "fuck." Did it? <laughs> it was so cute. You know it why? Because so I was thinking of the baby and the oh, nanny. Isn't that it. funny? I love it. I was like, oh, should I? Isn't that funny? <laughs> um, and I've had I've gotten some flack for it, but we'll get to that in a minute. But because um, everything I've learned, really, since I moved to LA when I was twenty, just turned twenty three, is from other women, other moms, but other women, like mm-hmm. moms I'd like to follow. I, I just, I learned that from other women's experience and their wisdom yeah. from that experience. Yeah. Yeah. And how that is immeasurable.
0: Immeasurable is really the thing. And, and we live in a world that loves to measure. Oh, boy. Yes. And so it's, it can be dangerous if you don't watch out for it. I, yes. I really believe that awareness is our superpower. The more we're aware of something the more we can do something about it. It's like, it's the difference between walking around with the lights off and walking around with the lights on. Yes, When they're off, you're gonna trip over things you don't see. You're gonna trip over things that don't belong to you. You're gonna get hurt. You're not gonna actually see clearly what it is you want, let alone how to get it. Flip the lights on. And then you get to make choices that align with your deepest truth Mm. and desire and purpose. And when you do that, you know, what's in your highest good is always and and always in the highest good of everyone. Mm. And so when you align with those choices, when you really follow your truth and your path and your purpose and your passion without apology, everyone is going to be served by that. Mm. And it really is a matter of, you know, feelings lead to thoughts, right? Thoughts lead to choices. And choices lead to behavior, action. You put that out in the world, the world is going to give you feedback and the process starts all over again. Yeah. And I really believe that we all have created a mind matrix, right? Now, remember, if you've ever seen the movie, The Matrix, The Matrix actually isn't real. Mm. It will disintegrate. It's made of nothing, Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yet everybody is walking around like robots operating in this fantasy world, because they've been told that it's real. Oh my God, it's Instagram. Thank you, and I, I love mean, it's, Instagram. It's really and I everywhere, use it and
1: it's but it but it is yeah. But that's
0: us. That's I mean, basically, yeah. you're when you are born and you're super vulnerable, and we're we're responsible for doing this with our kids, and it and somebody was responsible for doing it for us. But you know, when you're a child and you're vulnerable and you're innocent. And you come in this, you know, pure love energy, let's just call it pure consciousness of the unconscious kind, because you're so young. You are inhabiting this, like I said, human body, but you're a spiritual being. So you're trying to make meaning of the world around you. Well, who's gonna do that for you? Your caregivers, your society, your culture. It's like, how do you know your name is Jen?
1: Yeah. They told me. Because somebody told you. Somebody
0: assigned that meaning to you. You might not be Jen, you might be Sunshine Rainbow Jones. Right. For all I know. Right. Right. But that happens with everything. This is what love is. Uh. This is what being valuable looks like in Uh. life. This is what money means.
1: Yeah.
0: Right. And whatever value systems you're quote unquote born into in your world are going to create your matrix. Uh. And you're going to live through that, that filter. You're going to live in that matrix until the awareness or the lights go on and you go, oh, this actually isn't real. I'm living stories that don't belong to me. And then the matrix disintegrates and then you create your life Ugh. based on nothing but who you really are and what you really want. And that's real empowerment. Hashtag real empowerment yeah. right there. Yeah. Um, Is to really be in the driver's seat of your life. Yeah. And letting love drive and not fear, even though fear is really only trying to get us to love. Yes. It really is. It's going, oh, God, wait, on the way to love, I really don't want you to hit that pothole. It's going to hurt. Oh, go left, go left, go left. Right? I mean, it it really is just trying to protect us. Um, But that's a big job. Yeah that fear in us is born because something happened along the way that didn't feel real good. And so a part of you splits off and goes, well, at the moment we didn't have the resources to handle that and it didn't feel good and I'll be damned if that's ever gonna happen again. Excuse me, get out of the way. And then its whole job from that point on is to forward face and look for any incoming threat. And that means that it's looking for it in places where it may not even be. And keeping good things from coming in But it's also not only forward-facing, it's backward-facing. And Mm. it's looking at you and going, oh, now you're being a threat Mm. to us. Mm. So you better stop doing that. Stop talking like that. Stop dressing like that. Lose that weight. Mm. Don't be so loud. Don't use curse words. It's your fault that that happened. Knock it off. Mm. Get small. Get quiet. Mm. And so it really goes round and round and round until we stop the abusive cycle. Mm of owning and hijacking other people's fears and stories and values and truths as our own.
1: Yeah. Pretty powerful. That's incredible. It's profound.
0: Very freeing. Yeah. Very freeing. Yeah. And to me, it's really about creating that relationship with yourself and who you were in those formative years. Mm. Right. It's really about what I call my the process that i that I use a lot in my coaching practice is this process of reparenting. Mm. And it's about going back to that child who who created that matrix, who adopted and this these stories and hijacked those values and squeezed themselves into like a square peg in a round hole, a very uncomfortable truth that yeah. doesn't fit them, yeah, it's like wearing a dress three sizes too small, yeah. It's uncomfortable. Yeah. It doesn't belong to you. Yeah. And strip away those truths and redo it from a place of nothing but love and compassion. And our parents were doing our best. They were yeah. just trying to keep themselves safe based yeah. on how they were parented. Yes. Right? It's like, I have I've a mom, I'm so sorry. I'm going to tell the story. So there was this time that my mom, when I was a preteen, took me to a doctor's office for my physical before the summer. And I was going to summer camp. I went to summer camp every year. Shout out, Camp Quebec. I went to a summer camp every summer for two months. Mm, the best. And the best. And my mom, in my pre-summer checkup, I was always the youngest by the way, I have to preface the story by saying, in school I was always the youngest, at camp I was always the youngest because I was so intelligent when I was a child, hematoma. Um they started me in she school air early. quoted intelligent. <laughs> I did.
1: But, but she, we obviously know she's brilliant, so. So,
0: I I really <laughs> I I started probably too young. I was mm. developmentally and emotionally behind everybody else mm. and constantly having to play catch up. Mm. Right, which is exhausting. Yeah. Right. But my mom took me to the doctor and lifted up my shirt and grabbed a fistful of flesh on my belly and said, What is this? Why does she have this? How do we get rid of it? My mom did that because she loved me so much. She was afraid that I was going to be bullied at the pool that summer because I was the youngest one who the doctor verified it's baby fat, still had baby fat. And the other girls at the pool were older, and they didn't. And she was afraid that I was going to suffer as a result of being teased, bullied, left out, whatever it may be. She was trying to protect me. Mm. And more importantly, trying to protect herself from the pain that she would feel Mm. when she knew I was in
1: pain. Right.
0: It was all in the service of a greater good. And I know that now. But at the time, you better believe that's part of why I went and got liposuction when I was too young to get it and really didn't need it. Yeah. And why to this day, my belly is still very shy. Mm. It's to the point of now I have to go back in time and I have to give love to that little preteen and permission to that little preteen to say, you're so beautiful Mm. and I'm so sorry that I wasn't there to protect you. Mm. Everybody has that and it doesn't determine your value or what's possible for you or your potential or how lovable you are or were. And even though you feel sad and alone and in pain, I'm not gonna bully over that. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna let you have those feelings. And I'm also gonna let you know that you don't have to go it alone. You're not going to have to be in pain without tools or resources to manage that pain and be alone and die that way. Mm. Because that's really at the root of everyone's fear. Anybody that I've ever coached, I've always walked through a process of looking at one relevant fear that they have. And at the bottom of every fear, and I kid you not, I've coached so many people, I couldn't count them. And I've never not done that exercise. And every time, regardless of who I'm talking to, what their station in life is, the root fear is always the same. I'm gonna be alone, I'm gonna be in pain without resources to do anything about it, and I'm gonna die that way. Mm. And if you just go back and be there with yourself, Mm. right, as if you would, talking about moms, yeah. You're a small child. Yeah. If my kid ever came to me and said, mommy, I'm fat. Mm. Kids are going to make fun of me. Kids are going to bully me. Everybody knows that I'm fat. They've even pulled up my shirt and grabbed a fistful of my flesh. There's something wrong with me. Well, can you imagine what I would say to my son mm. if I heard him say that? Mm. You better believe that I would say, I hear that fear. I would acknowledge it. I wouldn't railroad over it. But I would also get down and say, I'm not going to let that happen to you. Mm. I've got you. Mm. And that flesh on your belly is nourishment for your body. Mm. You're supposed to have that there. And I absolutely think you're the most amazing, brilliant, handsome kid on the planet. And I'm lucky to know you and to be friends with you. And it yeah. doesn't matter what clothes you have on or how much skin you have or don't have on your body. That's not what this is about, kiddo. Mm. And what's going to make you feel safe? Mm. Let's make a plan. What do you need from me? You don't want to go to the party? Let's not go. Yeah. Right? So it's really about kind of going back and doing the reparations Yeah. through reparenting. Yes. Yes. All of those beliefs that you took on that really didn't belong to you. Mm. It's hard work, um, but it's so rewarding. Yeah. It's just like parenting. It's hard work, but it's so rewarding. Yeah. And it's just about going back and being the parent for yourself that I'm sure your parents wanted to be, tried to be, but just didn't have the ability to
1: because they're in it. And no one gave them the tools or resources. That's right. Nobody modeled it for them and nobody modeled it for us. So how are we going to know any different? Yeah.
0: Nobody was modeling for me my value or, you know, how that would turn into income or anything else. Yeah. Right. So I peddled myself to the highest bidder. Yeah. Constantly throughout my life until I realized no, actually, this is what I'm, this is my gift. Yeah. This is my genius. Yeah. These are my prices. Yeah. I don't negotiate my value in
1: my prices or anywhere else. Yeah. Right. Just as you wouldn't negotiate your son's value. Hello. Yeah. Ding, ding, ding. So you have two boys. I do. I do. And you have a full, very full work practice. Full with a wait list, yeah. And you have full with a wait list. Yeah. That's awesome. It's wild. And you have a husband and you have a house and you and you <laughs> teach dance. And uh, So how, <laughs> this is such a funny question because it's like you can't really answer it in one answer, but what does it look like to balance all of that? And get a decent hour decent night's sleep and take care of yourself. Great
0: like. question. I work smarter, not harder. And to me, that looks like not trying to play superhero and realize that my superpowers lie in, you know, my dream team or what I call them is my soul support squad. You know, I really that that idea for me really set in when I had my first son. And I really came to the conclusion that it does take a village. And if that takes a village, like I, I'm a believer in how you do one thing is how you do everything. Mm. Well, if that's true with raising a child, why isn't it true with, with, with raising myself, mm. right? And raising my business and all of these other things. So I'm a, I, I'm a proponent of beg, borrow, barter, or buy your village, leverage what you can. There are, you know, big A agenda items and little a agenda items per um, IPEC, but, and and I really subscribe to them. So big A agenda items are things that only I can do, meaning nobody can go to the bathroom for me, (laughs) right? I have to be the one to do, I can't be like, hey, Jen, can you quickly run to the bathroom and pee for me while I do this other thing? right like i have to do that yeah. i can't benefit from exercise if i have you go take my pilates class for me i have to go do that i can sub out classes you know i can get somebody else to do that kind of thing for me there are certain things like i have to write my blog but i can certainly have my associate my soul supporter kaylee post those things for me yeah. and and take the take up the time that that would take i have a nanny who helps me with my two kids and and getting food on their plates and taking them to school, does that replace the times that I'm really needed as a mom in their presence? Absolutely not. I will fiercely protect my time with them and take them to doctor's appointments. If it's a a specific doctor's appointment, I will, you know, if there's a special thing at school, I'm gonna go to that. Again, that's a big A agenda item, but the little A agenda items, like I don't need to be the one to make that peanut butter and jelly sandwich. I will leverage that. Yeah. And I really kind of beautifully done that in my life. I have created a dream team. Mm. And I believe that anybody that, you know, really wants to make the most of the resource of their t- resources of their time, energy, money will leverage things. Right. And that's why athletes have coaches, and actors have agents, and politicians have advisors, and so on and so forth. It's why I have a coach. Yeah. I mean, I have a I have a big, beautiful team. I mean, I could, I, I could sit here and list them all, but it's not the Academy Awards. Um, but I have a big, beautiful, lush team that really helps me be able to focus
1: on what I'm really here to do. Yeah. Me too. I couldn't do this. And I share openly about it on the podcast. I couldn't do this podcast to the to the degree of, of beauty and, and elevation that I want to give voice to these amazing women like yourself who are on the show without a team. Mm-hmm. There's no way I no could way. do it by myself. And no mother way. my son and take care of myself and work out and get sleep. And it's uh-huh. it just, it's not possible. And so I
0: delegate. That's right. And we don't do anything unless it serves us. There's always a, what's in it for me? Yeah. That's for everybody. That's human nature. That's yeah. the selfishness that I'm talking about of being in a human body. You always have to put your oxygen mask on first. Yeah. Right. And so, you know, when it comes to, you know, not doing anything unless it serves us in some way, oftentimes we'll even do things that don't serve us, but because there's secondary gain in it. So, why wouldn't somebody give up certain responsibilities? So, there's a lot, we're talking about moms, right? right. There's a lot of moms that just won't give up the control right. aspect of no right. i have to be the one to do this with right. my kid right and it's about really asking the harder open-ended questions the what's the where's the why's the how's of well what about that is serving you mm.
1: and what's it costing you yes i was just going to say what is it costing and and getting to that i'm sure in the in the process that you're talking about is that it's it boils down to a fear
0: always and what's at the root of the fear I'm going to be alone. I'm going to be in pain. I'm not going to have the resources to deal with it. And I'm going to die that way. It really is at the root of every fear. I know people probably are like, that's a little bit of a stretch. But I promise you, oh, yeah. if you were to ask enough questions yeah. the right way at the right time, you would get to the truth. Yeah. And um, it, it it really is all in an effort to stay safe. Yeah, Everything in life is in an effort to stay safe, yeah. to get love yeah. to live an impulse or a desire yeah. inside of you. Yeah. It's about doing the deep listening. Which again is why, you know, I was listening to the podcast that you did with uh, Christina Grants. And she was talking about how her movement practice gave her the space and the permission to do a deep listening to herself that she hadn't had the ability to access prior because she didn't have the tools or the safe space or whatever else. Yeah. And it really is premise of my my private practice is you're the expert on you. Yeah, That's it. I mean, there is no negotiating around the fact that we so often seek answers outside of ourselves oh. from gurus, from diet plans, from this, from that. And I'm not saying that experts in the world don't have resources for you. I'm not saying they don't have brilliant tools and skill sets to offer you. I think that those are all very important. I think somebody holding up a mirror and asking powerful questions and revealing blind spots, all of vital importance, but nobody will ever be the expert on you the way you are because nobody has lived inside of your body, mind, heart, and soul 365 days a year, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, right? literally getting up in the morning and then putting their head on the pillow at night from the moment that you were born until the moment that you leave yeah. this go around. Yeah, How could you not be the expert there? Yeah. All the answers are inside. Dial in for answers yes. every time. Yes. And anybody that tries to insert themselves between you and the divine, I always say, watch out.
1: Yeah, Watch yeah. out. Yeah. It's so true. And I always tell my writers... You know, mine your own backyard. Stay in your lane. Boo. Yeah, the answers are all in your backyard. Like, yeah. don't, th- you don't really have to go that far. Like, what in your, if it's a fiction writer, even easier. It doesn't have to be like, what in your experience is informing this feeling that you have to write about in this character, in this scene, mm-hmm. in this story? Mm-hmm. It's all right there.
0: How is somebody else going to tell you what's true for you? Yeah. Or what your story is. Exactly. And I really believe that specificity is such an important piece of that. Huge. You know, because I can't get in my car. I said this on a webinar once and I was like, oh, that was actually really good. Uh, That you can't get in a car and type into ways, you know, I don't know where I want to go, but take me.
1: (laughs) Right. Exactly. Yeah.
0: Right. I mean, you know, or you could be like, well, I want to go over to Venice but i don't know where in venice it's this place in venice but i don't know where it is well good luck yeah right like specificity yeah. is everything in getting anywhere yeah. that you desire to go yeah right in your mind in your heart i mean you know your body is there to serve that process but it's 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 the inside that's delivering that information for your body to go out and get it so yeah. get specific in there
1: yes absolutely
0: right crazy crazy.
1: Okay, I'm going to ask you Oh my gosh, yes. I'm going to ask you the three questions I ask every guest. Oh boy. And then we're going to go into a lightning round of questions. Okay. And there's no time limit on this or rush or anything. There's, we can we can go off into tangents as we often do. So okay. there's you don't have to like be on the clock or anything. What do you think about Alexis when you hear the word milf? Sexy? Uh, hot?
0: Powerful, enticing, and I just see a set
1: of salivating lips and teeth. Hmm. What's something you've changed your mind about recently? My kid's bedtime. In what way? It seemed
0: like he was maybe going down a little too early, and so we pushed it, and now it feels like maybe it's a little too late. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I'm changing my mind again. Yeah. And I think I'm going to be in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. Good.
1: This is the, your older child or yeah, both?
0: Okay, my older. How do you define success? Really living in alignment with my values and not compromising on them mm. and living with a sense of, of joy and enthusiasm, really living into my edge mm. so that I feel like I am pushing the limits of what's possible for me at, at, in, in all the ways that I can. I think success feels like the abundant love that I have with my family and my friends. I feel like that is the ultimate reflection of who I am and why I'm here. Uh. Success to me looks like creating freedom in my life where I desire it. It looks like the deep and powerful and profound and very authentic connections that I have with women who are hungry to rise to their greatness. I just got
1: chills. Mm. Okay, lightning round of questions. Lightning. Ocean or desert? Ocean. Favorite junk food? Mmm, French fries. Oh my God, me too. Yeah. Oh, I, just, I love French fries so much. Put a little cheese on there. Oh, maybe some bacon. Oh, I'm getting carried away. Oh my God. Okay, uh, movies or Broadway show? Movies. Daytime sex or nighttime sex? Nighttime. Texting or talking? Talking. Cat person or dog person? Dog person. Have you ever worn a unitard? Absolutely. Shower or bathtub? Oh, both. Ice cream or chocolate? Chocolate. On a scale of one to 10, how good are you at ping pong? Uh, Four. What is your. No, 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 no. Okay. Uh uh. Uh uh. Uh uh. Uh -uh. Uh, uh, Five. (laughs) Five. I thought there was going to be a bigger leap there. <laughs> that's good, though. I love that you gave yourself an extra I'm authentic. You yeah. can't take the yeah. authentic
0: out I of the girl. I love
1: it. What is your biggest pet peeve? Inauthenticity. Can't stand it. Drives me up a wall. Yep. If you could push a button and it would make everyone in the world 7% happier, but it would also place a worldwide ban on all hairstyling products, would you push it? Yes. Superpower choice. Invisibility, ability to fly, or super strength. Invisibility, flying, mm-hmm. or super strength. Mm-hmm. Flying. Would you rather have a penis where your tailbone is, or a third eye? Third eye. What was the name Duh. of your? <laughs> what was the name of your first pet? My first pet, Peanut. What was the name of the street you grew up on? Springhouse Road. So your poor name is Peanut Springhouse. Yes, unfortunately, <laughs> it is. I don't think that's unfortunate at all. Um, I think Peanut Springhouse is Southern. Okay. I think she wants to be a cabaret dancer. Okay. She has
0: aspirations? Yes.
1: And she wants to move to the big city, but she just needs to really get in touch with her true power and say, I just have to do this and embrace my name and embrace who I am. Sure. Right? (laughs) I'm buying it. Not really.
0: I don't I don't think I'm going to go to the to the porn store and buy the Peanut spring house special. It's just not it's not going to work out for me. It's there's like there's nothing milfy about that.
1: I can't. Well, Alexis, there's everything milfy about you. Well, God bless. I'm Ditto so, back at you so 10 times. Thank you so much for being on the show. This was a treasure. Total treasure. I mean, like, let's do it over and over and over again. Yes. yes. Sign me up. Sign me up. Here we go. Oh, and if people want to find you, we're going to put this in our show notes and everything, but if people want to find you... If they want to sign up on the waiting list to Mm -hmm. be a client, how do we find Oh, my
0: goodness. Well, I mean, my website's probably the best place, alexisarton.com. Great. Thank you so
1: much. Thanks so much for listening, guys. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Alexis. Join me next week when I interview Hayes Hawk Rosen, who is another woman of many, many talents. Uh, She is a doula and a midwife and a healer. And that was a really fun conversation too. So, and also, if you enjoyed today's episode, please go ahead and share it with somebody. Just text it. You know, you can share episode. If you hit those little three dots to the right of the uh, screen on your iPhone or Android or whatever you have, you can share this episode. And even if you just share it with one woman, you might you might change her day or her week or her month. I love you guys so much. Thank you so much for listening. Talk to you next week.